What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. everybody to another episode of speaking of murders and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's show a little bit of business we have another show speaking of missing persons make sure you go check that out uh, if you want to see photos from today's episode check out our socials instagram.com slash missing murder haunted or we're on facebook missing murdered haunted podcast we're putting out bonus episodes every other saturday so make sure you're checking those out some of those are public even uh I think we recently put out a bonus episode that was completely public. So you can go over there and listen even if you don't subscribe. But we would love it if you did. And uh, wherever you're listening, don't forget to leave us five stars. Leave a review. Share it with your friends, your family, whoever. And last bit of business, if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, speakingofmurders at gmail.com. So all of that stuff said, Shauna, tell us more about Pam Hupp. Oh, I would love to. Um, okay, so where we left off was January 4th, 2012, with Russ getting charged with first-degree murder and armed criminal action. All right. Which was not even, it was like a little less than two weeks after Betsy's murder. After Russ was arrested, stlouistoday.com headlines read, Marital problems led to stabbing to death of Lincoln County woman. Dang. Seriously? They already had him convicted before his trial. Yeah. The article outlined that Betsy was scared of Russ and a, f- quote, friend was, like, saying Betsy was planning on leaving Russ. I'm assuming that friend was Pam. I would assume so, too. When police had arrived at Pam's front door on the morning of December 28th to, like, ask her questions about Betsy's death... She was just getting out of the shower. Now, that is important information. She had told police that she had dropped Betsy off at her house around 7 p.m., then drove home, watched TV with Mark, showered, and then went to bed. When asked why she was taking another shower the next morning, she said, quote, I don't like messing around with someone who's been sweaty from all day. So she was basically telling people, the, these police officers, that she showered twice a day. Every day. Okay. She then went on to say that when she pulled into Betsy's driveway, the house was creepy dark and the front door was unlocked, and a silver Nissan Maximum was in the driveway, so she believed Russ was home. Pam had focused so hard on that silver Nissan Maxima that when asked what she had been driving the night of... Betsy's murder, she shouted, a silver Nissan Maxima. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So she was playing in her head on repeat what Russ drove so she yeah. wouldn't forget it. Yeah, pretty much. Pam told police that Betsy didn't have her house key because Russ told Betsy not to take her purse to chemo treatments that the day that day. But Betsy quote, lived out of her purse. 
she was trying to make it come off like Russ was being demanding with Betsy or like mean or controlling. Pam said as soon as they pulled into the driveway, Pam had called Mark to tell them that they had made it because she told him they would. Right. And then she made Betsy leave the voicemail. Right. Right. Which then, you know, the voicemail was left. And uh, but this is when Pam's story would start to change every time she would tell it. So all of those facts she kept straight from every time she told it until this. At first she said she never went into the house and then she said she just walked in to turn on the hall light for Betsy and then she changed it again saying she went all the way into the bedroom to see what Christmas gift Russ had gotten for Betsy. Why why would she need to do any of that I if he like, was home? I feel like she's doing that to explain why her fingerprints might be in their house. But they didn't find any. No. But she doesn't know that. All My she thing knows is, is, is if his car is in the driveway why would she need to go inside to turn on a light or help her into bed right or do anything if she knew russ was home because his car was sitting there and the door was unlocked it gets it gets more fucked up pam couldn't even like keep it straight if betsy had walked her to the door or not quote she may have still been on the couch but today it makes sense she walked me to the door well, it makes sense today. It didn't make sense yesterday, but it makes sense today. Now yeah, that, that in itself it makes a whole lot of sense. Woman's crazy. For today's story, I like how this feels, so I'm going with it. And yet... <laughs> <laughs> There's still convicting Russ. Like, he yeah. he did it. Oh, you're going to get angry. You're going to get angry. I'm already angry. Super angry. So. During her police interview, Pam said she called Betsy to tell her that she was home. But in the courtroom, she said she called to say she was almost home and that she had actually called when she had gotten to the highway because she was home free, meaning she knew where she was at that point. How does she not know where she was? She's driven her home a billion times. Oh, I can explain this for you. She said that she had terrible night vision driving, so she she would get lost easy. Why is she driving then? I don't know. Especially, you know, when Betsy's husband asked, like offered to pick her up. Mm-hmm. But Pam's phone records show she was still in Troy at 7.27 p.m. She had then changed her story again to match the timestamp, saying that she had pulled over at the fork in the road on the way home to make the call. So she didn't even make it to the highway? No. She said she waited there about a minute but Betsy never called her back so she went home called her son Travis before texting Betsy when she didn't get a reply she called Betsy's mom Janet Janet tried Betsy but also didn't get an answer Pam chalked this up to Betsy being upset with her for some reason why would she be upset with her you just dropped her off uh, it might be the, the throat stabbing. Yeah, um, I was going to say, or the, the 55 <laughs> stabs. If or I was stabbed like in com- the throat, I'd be pretty mad about would it. Would you? Because, I mean, yeah. it would be the, like, completely almost cutting my wrist off. That would do it for me. She I, also, I'd be pissed about that. She also said that Betsy must have been worried about the cancer being rechecked the next day. So that that might be, like, throwing her into, like, a mood swing. I mean, the woman's got stories and answers for everything, huh? Yeah. And just to be clear, with my jokes here, I'm not making fun of Betsy at all. I'm making fun of how fucking ridiculous Pam's excuses are and her stories are. Absolutely. Pam Pam is crazy. Pam then just went to bed. 
The next day, after this questioning on the 28th, the next day, the police showed back up at Pam's house to talk to Mark. But they let Pam stay in the room while they did this. Of course they did. I feel like there was a, what's up, girl? Yeah, you can hang out in the room. That's fine. Yeah, that's how yeah, it sounded. we just sounded. got to talk to him for it a second. We already was, got the guy. We just need more yeah, information to prosecute Yeah, it's pretty much him. like, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Like, they don't really care. They're just doing it because they have no choice. Right. Mark said he was home alone that night when Pam and Betsy called him. His phone was in the truck. That that was all he could get out before Pam took over. Well, of course. She went on to tell uh, tell them that Betsy was scared of Russ. He was a drunk. He had given her cloudy Gatorade one time that she said smelled bad and spit it out after tasting it. Pam said Russ was degrading to Betsy and was always bragging about the amount of money he would get when she died. I seriously doubt that. Didn't she say she only met him like three times? Yeah. Yeah. So she... She didn't even know him. According to her, she didn't even know him. But she's heard him bragging about all this money he's going to get when she dies. Mm -hmm. Seriously doubt that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fucked up individual. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about this woman. Where the fuck did she pull cloudy? Like what? Who just pulls that out of thin? Like... I don't know. There was some, like, weird cloudy Gatorade. I don't know. Like, the white Gatorade, you mean? Uh, yeah. The regular <laughs> white Gatorade? And it probably just tasted bad. Pam also wouldn't stop talking about this email Betsy apparently wrote while at the tennis club on her computer about how Russ had put a pillow over Betsy's face while she slept one night. Pam had mentioned this email so many times. So many so where was the email then? It wasn't recovered until later in um, Russ's trial, which I don't touch on very much because it's it's a lot of bullshit. But um, once they found it, uh, Russ's attorney, Joel, actually uh, hired a expert to analyze this email. And every other email sent or document that was made on Betsy's computer had names Betsy had given them names, except this one, this one email, and it said unknown. So it was, it's, it was not written by her. It wasn't written by Betsy. After Russ was arrested for the murder of his wife, his cousin hired Joel Swartz to represent him. Now, this man, Joel, is an excellent attorney. Yeah, and he just came out with a book about this case, so. He also, uh, when when they chose Joel, they chose the right person, and he came from St. Louis. Okay. Joel quickly realized no one was really looking at Pam hard enough. He all I mean, the evidence obvious. Yeah, she was the last person to see Betsy alive. She was the sole beneficiary of Betsy's life insurance. I know, and it was it was written there. It's like obvious, right? And every time she was questioned, her story had changed. Joel just could not wrap his head around this. It was just weird to him because Russ had a solid alibi. Four different people say that they were with with Russ until 9 p.m. that night. He had receipts to prove that he had actually stopped at Arby's. And it was time stamped to that receipt for 9.09 p.m. Yeah, except the prosecution tried to say that his friends oh no i get into that oh you do part of it yeah 
it, it's a lot. Police decided to make the drive from Russ's friend's house to show how long it would take to get from point A to point B. Okay. While speeding, cutting shoulders, basically doing it as quick as possible, they clocked it at 23 minutes. They didn't stop for food beforehand either, meaning if Russ did make it home in 23 minutes, he would have only had nine minutes to stab Betsy, clean up, and call 911. It's not possible. No. I mean... I wouldn't say it's not possible. It's just very unlikely. For them to find no blood anywhere else in that freaking house except on some house shoes and a light switch. There was a uh, blood smeared across the light switch. That's it. For him to have no blood on him. Oh, yeah. No. That's the big one. Well, that and he clearly stopped places. He didn't drive straight home. No, he stopped. What are they trying to say that he like did it and then went back out no, and no, made no. these purchases? No. I will explain that to you, what the prosecutor okay. has deemed what Russ did. Gotcha. I'm sure they have a hell of a story that Pam helped put together. Oh, yeah. This was impossible. Like we said, there was no way it could have been done in nine minutes. He did not have blood on his clothes, which they took. And when he called 911, he was still in the same clothes he was wearing that he had been caught on security camera wearing. That yeah, so day. he obviously didn't change. He didn't change. His hair wasn't wet when they pulled up. There's, It makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Nine minutes, that's not long enough. They tried to say Russ was trying to create an alibi with two different gas stations and the greenie store where he picked up the dog food. Russ had gotten all of that done before 6 p.m. The voicemail left by Betsy was at 7.05 p.m. She was still alive. So why would he need an alibi for any of that? Why would, how would that create an alibi? If anything, that just helps prove his innocence because, like I said, he was caught wearing the clothes he called 911 in. The police really fucked us up. Well, not only that, but the jury... That was chosen. Oh, actually, I will say we're not going to blame the jury in this one. We're going to blame the judge. The judge fucked this one up. Hmm. Joel, though, the only thing they possibly had on Russ, Joel thought that the only thing they possibly had on Russ was the blood, bloody slippers. But he told his young assistant, which it becomes a... like part of this case because it was like basically one of those he was helping train him like make him a better and this kid could have represented Russ and done exactly what Joel did but he said that he was pretty sure whoever killed Bessie was just trying to frame Russ quote it's clear it's not blood he walked through And that there's no splatter on the top where it would be had if you were, like, stabbing somebody, it would have splattered. Which there would have been if he wore them while he killed her. You don't murder somebody and then put on your slippers. Like, he was saying, like, you wouldn't go stab someone 55 times and then be like, "Mm, I should probably put on my slippers. Right, and And there'd be blood on the top of the slipper. Right. And you would have assumed there would be blood. Blood on the, the whole bottom. bottom of these slippers. Yeah, if he would have walked through blood. 
Russ even explained to Joel why Betsy didn't have her purse that day. He had drove the two of them to two different family Christmases over the weekend. So they went to uh, Betsy's side first, and then they went to Russ's side. So they spent the night, Friday night and Saturday night. And then on Monday, Russ had dropped her off at her mom's. So I guess it was Saturday night, Sunday night. And then on Monday, Betsy spent the night at her mom's house. She didn't want to take her purse because she didn't want to have to lug it from house to house to house. So that is why she didn't have her purse. It had nothing to do with Russ telling her to leave it. Russ said that she had called him at 5 p.m. to ask him to leave the door unlocked. One of Betsy's friends backed this up for Russ, saying that they were talking, and about 5 p.m. she had stopped dead middle of the conversation and said, Oh, crap left my keys at home i'm going to have to call russ to have him leave the door open makes sense yeah so now we know why the front door was unlocked Mm -hmm. joel said that the polycraft done on russ was dumb because he hadn't slept in 32 hours and had been stoned he thought it could have been like a fake one you know like they talk about in small town murder plug small town murder there um how they can like do false polygraphs the thing about that is though is if they do that to a person they have to tell the attorney gotcha joel never gotten informed that this was a false polygraph which is illegal to not tell their attorney that they're doing this so that means that i thought originally you had said he took a real polygraph russ or uh, joel thought that it could have been faked because he was saying, like, no real expert polygraph uh, person would have given Russ a polygraph test without letting him sleep and without letting, the like, the weed leave his system. Gotcha. They wouldn't have conducted it in the first so, place. So, right. So, R- Russ thought it was real. But Joel, his attorney, is thinking that they did a fake one. Okay. To try to get him to confess. But even then, Russ didn't confess to shit because... Because he didn't do shit. Because he didn't do shit. You know, like, put your hand on the photocopier. Did you kill that woman? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, you you lied. Oh, okay, well, let me tell the truth. No, Russ didn't do that. Gotcha. So they didn't actually give him a polygraph. It's not sure. It's not clear if they if it was real or not. Joel just thinks that if it was real, they were stupid and that they, it wouldn't have produced uh, accurate results anyway. Well, right. they don't anyway. Well, I think the only real way to tell if they actually gave him a polygraph is if they tried to submit it as evidence. Well, you can't. No. Well, then I wouldn't think it would matter. It doesn't matter. That's why, like, they're so inaccurate that you can't submit it as evidence. It it literally means nothing. Yeah, because you can... Just just let me tell you. We're going to talk about a freaking serial killer coming up that passed one twice. He passed it twice. Flying colors. Well, that makes sense. So, I mean, it's a load of horseshit. I don't understand why they do them in the first place if they don't hold any substance it to a case. It is for that it's reason. It's for the reason of trying to get you to confess to confess if you failed. Yeah. It's solely it. to try to trap you. That is try to trick your brain. It's yeah. basically into a tool of manipulation. To I manipulate see. you into thinking, well, they've already got me. I might as well just come out with it. 
I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if you're innocent, it doesn't matter what the hell they do. You're going to sit there and be like, I don't care what that freaking polygraph says. I'm telling you the truth. And you're going to stick with that no matter what. Like Russ did. But there are some people that are like, that can get roped into false confessions because of that. Because they're like, okay, and well, maybe I freaking did do it if this machine says I did. Yeah. Gotcha. There, there's actually a show on Netflix where uh the whole show is literally about getting false confessions out of people like where people have spent 15 20 years in prison when they actually didn't commit the crime because it's really easy they were they were questioned for 46 hours straight or uh they felt like they couldn't leave the interview room um so joel went into pam's poly like went to look for a polygraph by pam but learned her attorney had pushed it off. Pam, this is so fucked up. Pam, uh, like they pushed it off and then Pam was like, mm, I don't want to take it anymore. So she had actually asked the police if she could get a doctor's note to prove that she couldn't take one. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> It's, it's like gym class. Can I have a doctor's note I'm so sorry. I don't have to participate in running? What? And they said yes. What? So they told her to just write a letter to her doctor asking for one. I. It, <laughs> so she, I don't understand that. I mean, you could say she could have literally just said no. Mm-hmm. And they could have forced her to. Like, what but, is a doctor? Uh, I'm trying to imagine asking a doctor okay, that. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you how she asked the doctor this. Oh, my God. The letter said, Dear Dr. Fisher, could you please write Detective Kaiser a letter stating that I was not able to do a polygraph due to medical reasons. Don't need any more detail than that. Then Dr. Fisher, who hadn't seen Pam in months, like months prior to her walking into his office with this letter on January 3rd, he wrote her a note that said, Pamela Hupp is unable to undergo a polygraph due to medical condition. All I can think of right now is that Key and Peel skit where Peel tries to go in and get a weed prescription. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about? I know about? what you're talking about. But... Okay. What did she what did she okay. do for this doctor in the past? Uh, nothing. What kind of doctor is this? It's a real doctor. Now, I will tell you which I'm I like, also don't have wrote down. Joel actually questioned this doctor and asked what medical That's what I was gonna say. Problem What's the medical had? condition? <laughs> You're <laughs> fucking nuts. I stubbed my toe. <laughs> my dog uh, stepped on a bee. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the doctor had informed Joel that uh, the old, like she had a uh, bad leg or some oh, shit. I'm s <laughs> I said it. I said. Or a bad back. And she had at one point in time in her life fallen while at a job and had hit her head. But other than that, she was fine. Yeah, fallen. Samantha, that means you get to get out of polygraphs. polygraphs. I mean, I legitimately <laughs> did, though. That woman probably faked it. 
<laughs> I never have to do a polygraph in my life. Nope, Sorry, like, had a fall at work Sorry. like mm, nine off. years ago. <laughs> fell off a ladder. It's yeah, help you. Oh, yeah, it has been about nine years. Bash my head into concrete. Can't do that. But that he could not tell Joel one legitimate reason why a polygraph wouldn't have worked for her. Because she's got a bum leg. Because <laughs> they hook up everything to your leg. But, you know. But yet they've, you know, Russ had to do it with no sleep while on it, half naked. Oh, naked. Half, half naked after he's been freezing cold. <laughs> Just telling you what happened. Pam had also submitted DNA that was never tested. <laughs> no one had ever made sure that the clothes she had actually given them were the clothes she had worn that day. And they were also not tested for blood. I'm sorry, but like... Because she wasn't a person of interest to the Lincoln County Police Department. Yeah, because they were just a bunch of clowns, apparently. <laughs> Okay, the Friday before Betsy was murdered, Pam and Betsy went to the post office. This is, this was, this is important information that she had told to the police. Okay, hadn't told to the police. Basically, they'd went to the post office. Pam hadn't disclosed this to the police off, like to the, like to the police during the interview. In court, this came back up because Joel was, I'm assuming, asking about it. But basically, Pam had told uh, them, the prosecutors, whatever, that she had went to the post office with Betsy so that Pam could mail her mom something. Now, we'll talk about it later. Pam sees her mom pretty regularly. I was about to say, why would she need to mail her something? She decided not to, though, when they got there because she was going to see her later that day. Who knew? So... Okay, hold on. Pause. She is telling the prosecutor now that she went to the post office with mm. Betsy that yep. day. On Friday. The Friday before Betsy was murdered. So oh, Betsy okay. was murdered on a Tuesday. So this is the Friday before that Tuesday. Oh, so she's just talking about them doing stuff together? No, this has a point. What is the point? We're getting there. She had gotten asked if Betsy had mailed the, the insurance form that day. Ah. Uh, Pam had okay. told her that, told the court that she had no fucking clue. But. I'm sure. on January 17th, Pam had told st- the State Farm agent that they had went to the post office specifically to mail the form that day. On uh, Friday. On that Friday. Uh, okay. So she's purging herself. Yeah. Ah. And still not getting in trouble. Right. State Farm, before they cashed this life insurance policy for Pam, had talked to Detective Ryan McCormick that told them that Pam was clear and to pay her the insurance policy. That she wasn't a person of interest. The change of policy hadn't been filed until the day after Betsy was found dead. So this is this is was a huge gray area. Well, um, yeah, because it got mailed the Friday, Friday. before. So basically, I would say not valid. She was dead before the paperwork was submitted. Exactly. And how is she not a person of interest? Yeah, except that, that is literally driving me bonkers right now. Yeah, well, because she's not the husband. 
<sighs> That's the main reason. It's because she's not the husband. They did decide to pay it out, though, because the forms were mailed that Friday. I was going to say, Pam. it's about... Huh? To Pam. No, they, they paid were mailed. it out to her. Yeah, they yeah, paid they... the insurance to Pam. So they let that change of beneficiary go through even after Betsy was dead. Yeah, because yeah, they mailed it. But it's because they mailed it on Friday. I don't care what the postage is. Like, I'm, I'm going to... Okay, so I'm Pam mad. had something to say about this. I'm just mad. Uh-huh. So Pam had something to say about this. It said, if it's mailed on Friday, we had Christmas, she was killed. How does that work? She had to be killed or they have to receive it before she is killed? She asked it like a question. I don't know. Otherwise, he's still the beneficiary. So if I set it up in my own little mind... Why didn't I just wait until Friday to be sure they got it? Like, why wouldn't I wait until Friday to kill her to make sure that they actually got it and that the change was actually through? She was using this as a defense on why she couldn't be the killer. That's a lot of dead air, folks, because we're... I'm viewing on the inside. Except Except for the fact that Pam has worked for insurance companies pretty much her whole fucking life. Yeah, because she's a scammer. (laughs) She's a scam artist. Like, legitimately, that is why they moved from Florida. Was because she was caught signing fucking shit that, like, literally, that she wasn't supposed to. I know, insurance fraud. Yeah. Pam has also been quoted saying things like, I love her to death, and it really hurts my feelings. I didn't put a gun in her head. I didn't put a gun to her head and make her fill out the form. Are we sure? I mean, I'm wondering... (laughs) Are we sure? She the said only those reason, things during police interviews. The only reason that we can be sure of that is because she did it in a library. Yeah, true. <laughs> okay. With all that being said, we're going to end part two with Russ's trial starting November 18th, 2013. Wait, how? how? We haven't been in trial. This is literally just the interviews. Yeah, them leading up to his trial. He's been arrested, charged, and sitting. This entire sitting and waiting. Pre-trial and... His I, lawyer trying to figure out what the hell they have against him. Right. Which also, I'm gonna... If we're plugging things... God. Morbid had his lawyer on. Yeah. Go and he that. claims that police took photos of the whole crime scene, but then... I was gonna bring that up. But yeah. then said that, that they, they didn't develop. How do you not develop their digital? Okay. So at some point during the this whole hot mess, somebody from the prosecution's office sent him the photos and the prosecution had no idea. Like the actual prosecutor had no idea that he actually got these photos that the police were saying were gone because they didn't develop. Actually, I know exactly why they got those photos. Why Joel got those photos. Are we going to get to that in part three? Yeah, I will talk about it when we get... This case, I'm telling you, for a case that takes place not far from where we are, it is crazy. Okay, so I would like to say, I put all of this police interview crap in part two, because this is literally what this trial is based on. This whole interview process. All of these things that get talked about get brought back up in court in some way, shape, or form. Well, yeah. 
and they believe and everything Pam says, even yeah. though she's changing her story over Obviously, and over I'm, and over. And over. I'm gathering that. Um, part three is going to be a wild ride. Song. Can't wait. Things I mean, happen. Things happen. Yeah, it gets a lot worse. Things happen. So I've heard. I don't think it'd be a story if they didn't. Oh, well. I mean, you can have stories where nothing happens. Napoleon Dynamite is a great movie. Nothing happens. Things happen. Not really. <laughs> Pedro asks for votes. That's about it. Um, That whole movie is about him building friendship and getting friends. Yeah. Because he was friendless before everything that happened in that and movie. He had off, Kip. He wasn't friendless. He developed friends answer. in that movie. All right, everybody. We uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, let us know. Leave a review. You know, leave us five stars. Share it with your friends, your family, whoever. And uh, don't forget to come back next week for part three. You know where to send your cases. Do they? You know, Do they know? Yeah. Speaking of murders at gmail.com, they know this. Oh, okay. They know these things. And you know how to find the Patreon, right? They know how to find the Patreon, right? Do they? I think they do. I trust that our it's, Well, it's patreon.com slash missingmurderhaunted. It's linked in the show notes. They uh, know how to find oh, okay. the show notes. Okay. So come back next week for part three of Pam Hub. There'll we'll be a lot more to discuss then. Yep. We'll see you all then. Bye. 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 bye.